welcome to Inman Reconnect, where we bring you into our conversations about what's happening next in real estate. I'm your host, Clelia Peters. Let's jump into today's episode. In today's episode, wealth manager to the NBA elite, Joe McLean, talks to us about building a business and building trust. one become a money whisperer? Well, you certainly don't give yourself that nickname. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was given by somebody else. But honestly, my, my dream from the time, you know, I, I, when I was eight years old, is all I wanted to do was play professional basketball. And I chased that dream for as long as I could. And, um, you know, I never really became the posters on the wall that I wanted to be. And uh, I went through, played in high school, played in college, played professionally for about four years. Uh, and then just realized I was getting cut a lot. Like, I think I was cut 11 different times in, in a four-year period. So I knew that at some point I had to figure out what to do next. And so I had to figure out that transition in life, which you know, probably a lot of people in the room have made some type of transition from where you were to becoming a, a real estate professional. So for me, I had no idea about anything else. Mm-hmm. And, but, and much like what Abby was talking about, what I missed the most was the locker room, the bus rides, the team around me, um, and so what I did was I just started seeking new mentors, new coaches that could steer me in, a, in, in the right direction, and that's what uh, led me to some people that were in financial services. It was absolutely not anything I grew up thinking about. Um, I literally was talking to my kids a couple weeks ago in the car, and they're really young, and I asked them, what do you want to be when you grow up? And I can promise you none of them said wealth advisors mm-hmm. or real estate professionals. Um, so it's not something we, we think about and aspire to early on, but I got into the business and over time uh, it led me back to sports about seven years ago and that's how it started. Can you talk a little bit about how your experiences on the court you know, made you realize that there was this need um, for you know, a wealth advisor, for NBA players and other athletes? Yeah, for me, I was, I was in financial services for about 16 years, and then a bunch of old teammates came about uh, you know, five, six years ago and just started asking me questions. Like, I'm getting ready to retire, and they made a lot of money. Uh, you know, can you look at my stuff? And quite frankly, they were asking all the wrong questions in terms of being prepared for retirement um, at a very young age. And what I realized is I was thinking about back when I was playing, and all, all I was trying to do was just to make a team and get on the yeah. floor uh, and get minutes. Um, but then all of a sudden what I realized is you started getting paid and you started getting these paychecks that would come every two weeks. And I frankly didn't know what to do with them. Uh, I didn't know the difference between, okay, this is what gross is versus net of taxes and, and how to budget. And realized a lot of these athletes had gone through seasons and seasons of their life with no real structure because no one taught them. There's no class we would have ever taken in college that teaches you how to manage your finances. And so for me, that's when the light went on that I could get back into coaching, but do it uh, from a financial perspective. And I've read that you have some rules that um, some of your new clients will have to follow regarding, you know, with these huge salaries, how much they have to, you know, put away in savings, you know, what can be their fun money, but, you know, what really has to kind of go in the piggy bank. Can you talk a little bit about that? Sure, yeah. I, I guess early on in, in my career, I honestly took every client I could possibly take. There, mm-hmm. was, there was no, no benchmarks that they had to hit. If they were willing to sign with me, I was going to work with them. 
Uh, and then I realized, honestly, once I started having kids, that I had to put some guidelines in place. If I was leaving my family f for them and, and going to be all in with every aspect of their life, it had to be um, some type of mutual respect between both of them. So I started putting in guidelines. You know, for example, if someone's in their first year of the contract, they can't work with us unless they're saving a minimum of 40 cents of every dollar. And, and so that's a pay yourself first, which has been around for hundreds of years, the, the concept. Um, but you've got to make it automatic and you have to commit to it. And second, third contracts, it's, it's upwards of 70, 80 percent. Um, and so it's not necessarily an official contract someone signs, but it's a verbal commitment that they're going to be all in because if they're all in, then I'm going to really be motivated to, to serve them at the highest level. And can you talk a little bit more about that decision to kind of find that right client for you? Because I think in all fields, we have that understanding when we're starting out, we do want to take every client mm. that we can. And, you know, we think that's the best way to grow. But then we realize maybe we're burning ourselves out or we need to kind of develop more of a niche for ourselves to be successful. Yeah, I, I think for me, I, I started out as a, as, a, as a generalist for sure. Like I, I was just trying to serve everybody and had a little bit of knowledge around a lot of different things and found that I was pretty irrelevant to most. Uh, and when the light went on for me to start serving back in the, the community that I grew up in in sports, that's when I really dug in and understood every aspect of their life. You know, um, if they're traded, how they travel, how they get compensated, you know, what are the, what are the big issues that drive them to be motivated to be successful? Um, the more you really dig in and become that specialist, then you really have that intimate knowledge as to how to serve them at the highest level. And in doing that, did you find that there was a mix between you know, what you learned on the court and then some of the book learning you have to do? And can you tell also a little bit about some of the mentors you had that really helped you put that whole package together of what your offering is? My, I would say my, my first mentor, one of the best things he ever told me was, you, know, you don't know nothing about nothing. And the, the sooner you learn that, the sooner you'll, you'll want to be curious and know as much as you possibly can. Uh, and so... What's it like hearing that? You don't know nothing about yeah, nothing. Well, he was right. Um, so so it, it, I think the mentors give you direct perspective on things. You know, they're not going to sugarcoat it, um, especially in my world. A lot of our clients are surrounded by nothing but yes people, you know, because they don't, they don't want to get kicked out of the, of the circle. So just wanting to be curious and know as much as I possibly can, it really started with you know, reading and, and digging in and seeking out other mentors, um, but also doing a lot more listening than, than talking. Um, you know, I'm, I'm a bit of an introvert anyway, so I typically just sit there and, and listen, but it, it, they started teaching me how to you know, really practice that skill to take the knowledge so that you can take it, learn it, understand it, dig deeper into it, and then go out and demonstrate that to the audience that you want to work with. And another thing I've heard you talk a lot about is establishing trust. And, you know, sometimes there's that feel of you say, well, I'm a trustworthy person. Yeah. And we've talked about this before where that's not how you build and establish trust. Can you talk us through your... Sure. I mean, just as the last speaker was talking about being the trusted advisor, um, the one thing I think we all know is to, to build trust, the last thing that you could do is say, trust me. <laughs> um, that just doesn't feel good, especially if you don't know that person and, and I'm a skeptic at heart and I typically wouldn't just jump to trust anybody. So what we've done over time, and there's a great book out on the trusted equation, which speaks to, there's an equation around it that, that trustworthiness equals credibility plus reliability plus intimacy, all divided by self-orientation. And what does that mean? So credibility 
means, you know, what is your technical skills that you have to go out and really, you know, teach somebody else the value of what you're trying to seek, you know, seek for them. So for me, it was understanding the collective bargaining agreement in sports, how they get paid, you know, what are the, the pitfalls that they may face, and really dig into understanding that. Reliability is simply just, do you do what you're gonna say each time, every time, over time? And that's just the consistency of delivering on, on a high level of service. Right? That's not something that you can do you know, overnight. Um, and then plus intimacy is not trying to go down some weird path here of intimacy, but it's, it's having the ability over time as you build trust to get people to open, out, open up about what their goals are. I mean, you may, a lot of people in the room may be sitting in uh, a meeting with a client or a prospect and they have no idea really what they're looking for. Mm -hmm. You know, they may go out and see uh, one or two homes or, or start speaking to exactly what they want, but they really don't know. And what they actually want versus also what maybe they think that they want. Exactly. So being able to, to dig deeper and ask more questions, um, and, and you probably have been there, done that, so the ability to help them see the movie from beginning to end and pre-experience it, that really helps. And then it's all divided by self-orientation, meaning if the client feels like they care more about, you care more about your business than their life, then you're sunk in the water. If, if they get that perception that you really, all you're trying to do is get the next sale or the next transaction, the level of trustworthiness declines dramatically. So it's just thinking about that equation within your team as to how do I build this out and demonstrate that because then over time, I think is how you build trust. You can't, I get the question, like how do you, how do you really accelerate this and you can't microwave you know, right. trustworthiness, right? That's, that, you know, no one, no one, you think about your best relationships, they, you know, it's probably didn't start on a one night stand. It was, it took time, so, to develop the trust. And on that, I remember you also talking about, you know, you have to earn the right to pitch. You know, it's not just kind of going out after leads. Can you tell us, you know, what that really means? So what I've found, especially in our industry and probably uh, yours as well, is that, and I, and we work with a lot of real estate professionals all over the country. You know, I think we bought or sold 40 homes last year around, around the country. And a lot of people come initially with their pitch book mm -hmm. and they got 10 minutes or five minutes and let me, let me tell you about who I am, what I do and how I do it and how it's different. And our, our side does the same thing going to people showing them a pitch book. This is what I do and this is how I do it and this is why I'm different. And I will tell you now from personal experience, if you do that, it's that pitch book, it, the metaphor for I use is it's like bringing in a stick of dynamite and you are going to blow up the meeting. Mm -hmm. Versus, and it takes longer, again, you can't microwave this, reserving the right to pitch. And what I've found successfully is, is there's a process to delivering this. Um, and it's a four-part process that we won't go into detail today. But what, you, what we really want to try to solve for is to get people to, to have four different experiences. One is that first meeting is just to simply to get them to experience a difference so that they're receptive, so that they're curious, so that they want to know everything there is about you, right? Quite often, most professionals jump to the very last part. Right versus getting someone to experience the difference. Now, how do you do that? That's typically, for me, it's a 15 to 20 minute meeting with a, a pen and a pad and just going in and asking a lot of questions. And this may be, at the end of the day, 
I think a lot of professionals out here, you're going to have three, four, five relevant centers of influence that you could serve that may have a much larger audience that could be potentially clients for you. So you may go out and meet 50 different people to really seek out and find three to five super high quality business relationships. So go out and learn and understand as much as you possibly can about them. And I promise you, they will experience a difference because most everyone else is just trying to pitch them, mm -hmm. right? So if you get someone that then is curious to know more about you and eventually they're receptive, at that point, they're ready to, be, to open up and receive your pitch. Um, so that's something I try to think about with every client, every prospect, is just working our way through that dynamic to get people to open up because everyone else is running around pitching, which, I, like I said, is the equivalent of a, a stick of dynamite. Right. And I think also with some of the clients that you have and you know, the things that they go through in their careers, you know, the ups and downs, the injuries, things like that, um, can you talk about a time when you really felt that you kind of made a difference for a, a client during one of those more difficult times? Yeah, I think it's in everyone's life. It's, the trajectory of someone's career is never just straight up, right? There's yeah. a lot of, lot of pitfalls, a lot of high highs and, and low lows. Um, and it's, you can talk, that, talk, to, talk about those experiences to people that haven't experienced it yet so they can prepare. But what I've found in this whole, this whole concept of trying to be all in, if you're really passionate about what it is that you're doing, is um, I had one particular experience where I was working with a client and they were through the roof trajectory in terms of their success. Uh, and then they frankly had a, a terrible injury and I would say 99% of all the people just walked away, including family, because there was no more money. Mm -hmm. You know, the, that, that gravy train had, had come and gone. All those enablers who were saying yes, yes, yes all along. Exactly, and, and so it was kind of a face-to-face -face with that client looking at me saying, what, what do we do now? And part of it is like, this is, this is the time to be most relevant to somebody. Let's go find out, let's, let's go build a new team around you to, to make this comeback. Um, and his comment was, as he was interviewing other professional people that, was, that were gonna work with him is, you know, if I'm gonna be all in, then everyone else around me has to be all in. Um, and so that was me, for me, realizing this is what it's about. This, in these moments, um, and even Abby was talking about it earlier in terms of persevering through adversity, um, it's not always your own personal adversity, adversity, but if you can help others that are going through that and experiencing that and uplift them and help build the team around them um, to get through it, that's when you can be really meaningful. And I think those are relationships that will last a lifetime. Yeah, and can you talk a little bit about how you build other business relationships? So in a situation like that, you know, you're providing some of the financial advice, but I'm sure you also need, you know, to have a trusted set of maybe attorneys or managers or other people. How do you seek out other like-minded people to kind of associate yourself with? I, I think that's, that's a great question. It's really hard because um, I'm not, like I mentioned, I don't, I don't just immediately trust anybody, right. <laughs> especially with other people's money. Um, but, but one of the, the problems I was trying to solve for early on when I was trying to figure out how to manage money for athletes and entertainers was it really wasn't a lot of investment issues that they were facing. Some of them were, but it was, it was a personal finance issue that, that no one was keeping score with their money. No one really had transparency of the money going in and out of their life. And what I realized is there was a lot of different people touching the money. Um, and, and trying to get into their wallet. So it would have been, would have been the, car, the car person or the jeweler or the tailor um, or the cousin that you, they, they never heard from you know, in their right. life and then they pop up. Um, and so 
over time realize there's, there's a, a, a real estate professionals, you know, because you're buying and selling homes. Um, there's a whole network that we've got to create of other trusted advisors to serve these people at the highest level. Um, even specific, I think I've, I've worked with some of the people in this audience, and I think when you build these relationships, it's being able to talk with each other as to what are the, what's the holistic goals we're trying to accomplish. You know, you know, for example, we may have a lot of clients that you know, play in, a, in Atlanta, but they're from LA. I don't necessarily want them to buy a house in Atlanta. Um, they're renting where they play and they're buying where they live, mm -hmm. you know, longer term. And, and, but every person's a little bit different. And if someone's just going and trying to pitch them to get a sale, then that's really breaking up what, what the longer term goals we're trying to accomplish with a client. So having a network of other ad advisors out there that I trust to say, this is what the goals are, um, and have, help me serve this person at the higher level, that's when these relationships get really good. You know, that's when even with the, a car person that they may be, the client may call them directly and say, hey, I'm trying to do this. And they know the rule is one nice car, yeah. one really nice one, whatever you want. But if you're going to get another one, you got to turn in the, uh, the other car to get that one. So if they start calling them and say, hey, I want to get another one, it's not, it sounds like crazy micromanage, which it can be, but that person will call me and say, hey, this is what they're doing. This is what, mm -hmm. you know, this doesn't fall into what we're trying to do. And then that begins a dialogue. That, that's really <laughs> incredible because then in some of the reports on you, I've heard how you can kind of be a concierge, you know, getting your clients some great golf clubs or putting them in contact with the people. Mm -hmm. But the fact that the people that you work with who are able to do those things are all bought into the whole process is just Remarkable. It makes it so much easier, especially it gives you the ability to serve a lot more people. Yeah. So if, if I have relationships with you um, in a different state where I just can't be there or our team can't be there, but I know they're walking into your office, they're going to sit with you, and, and it's, it's no different than working with us at our office, that just releases so much op more opportunity um, for us. The client gets served better because I'm, I'm less trying to control if, if someone's honestly going to get screwed here on, on the deal. Um, and that, and they, we're all on the same page and they feel good and it makes, honestly, it makes me look better if I'm referring to someone that is already professional and they have a high level of credit, credibility and they're very reliable, uh, they understand that market and it just, it raises all boats for us. Um, and so that's, it's very powerful to build um, and I've been thankful to find some of them, but we're always seeking, seeking more relationships like that. How do you help your clients when they transition for the next life phase um, or next phase in their career? Um, you know, a lot of athletes, you know, are, um, take on business ventures. You know, we think of someone like Kobe Bryant who, you know, just really was on his way to becoming a businessman after being, you know, such an incredible athlete. How can you help tran uh, your team through those types of transitions? So that's, that's the hardest part for sure because I, I went through it at a much lower level than any of these, these clients will. Um, but making that transition is very difficult. So it starts with that whole, the whole concept of beginning with the end, end in mind, talking about it constantly. Mm -hmm. uh, and my, my, what, you know, I would say what, you know, it's been a tough couple of days with, with Kobe, um, but what we got to see is, is his transition. And what I think one of his number one traits was he was one of the most curious people there was. Like in terms of working out, he was, people realized after he won these championships and retired, what was his preparation every single day yeah. to, to be the best on the floor. And it was all the little things. He sweated all the details to be great. Uh, and that was the transition he made in life after was, you know, focusing, cold calling, um, 
and seeking out other mentors, cold calling CEOs, asking a lot of questions, more so in areas that he was passionate about in sports and technology uh, and became, was becoming a, a, a really good investor because he was leaning on other people that had been there, done that. So what we try to do is, is make those tr introductions early, but because most, most young people aren't thinking past, past next Friday. Right, it's, right? it's so, the next game. Yeah, so you're trying to build a plan, a 20, 30, 40 year plan. So it's setting very short term milestones mm -hmm. for them to accomplish you know, on a monthly and, and six month basis to where you're keeping score, you're gamifying the system, and then you have some su successful outcomes and you want to do more of those, right? It's a behavior that you're creating. Like I'm not, I'm a big component that, this isn't like about just budgeting. I mean, budgets are like diets. I really don't think they, they work. It works for a couple months and then we hit the snooze button and then th those gyms aren't filled anymore. Right. You know, there has to be a belief system that you're building in and a process um, for people to, be, to be, go from good to being great. Okay, and then for your own team, I mean, we talked about how you work with you know, advisors in other areas, but in building your own company, can you talk about what you look for to ensure your success and your business success? I think that's honestly one of the hardest parts because uh, I, I got into this business and probably a lot of you out there, I got into it to have a profession mm -hmm. and to give advice and to be with clients and it was never to monetize athletes or it, it just became a business. I, I wasn't prepared for that uh, and so I had to go from having a profession to then running a business and, and so that was a very difficult, I'm still going through it as to how to, how to make those transitions and, and select that. But what I've found is if you go out and demonstrate as much trustworthiness as you can and just serve others and have that low self-orientation, other people will want to be a part of it. Um, they may see some of the, you know, for us, some of the, the glamour of who we serve, but the reality is that you really get it in terms of, like we may buy a house, and this is the first time home buyer, it doesn't matter if they're super rich or not, but they need to know all these little things as to how to manage a home. Um, and so if you go out and demonstrate how to serve, other people want to be a part of it. They'll gravitate towards you. So our business has evolved, not from us really going out and finding people, but them being more attracted to, to the vision that you have. So if you go out and cast your vision internally, and even as you're building teams, you know, take a third of the day if you can, or you know, just mentor others. Um, you seek out mentors and just keep passing it forward or passing it down. And I think over time, you'll build a culture of awareness as to what you're trying to accomplish. And again, you'll start raising all boats and serving everybody at a much higher level. And the people, like you said, start to seek you out and they tend to be a better fit or? That's right. And it's, like I said, it, it, people coming initially, you know, it, it, it's not something that's overnight. It mm -hmm. takes a long time to, you know, to get into the circle, but for those, like I said, if, you, if you're seeking out really three to five really relevant other uh, centers of influence that you work with, it's worth taking the time because those are lifelong relationships that you could have both in business and in life. And at the end of the day, I have a family of, with three kids. Have a reason, if you're leaving the house, you know, go, go, go all in on something, you know, because you want to come home and ha have a happy life. But um, I don't really have a balanced life. I try to have a very kind of harmonized life as to my kids know exactly what I do every day and why I'm doing it and, and it really makes it a worthwhile achievement. So what's next for your business? What are you excited about for this year and you know, five, ten years out? I think it's, for me, it's, I, I've been able to see some of the clients are starting to re retire. So we've mm -hmm. kind of been through the rookie through retirement. Um, my goal is someday to have a couple of them working at the company and, and doing what I do with, with their teammates. 
Um, but the next, next step for us is, is taking the company around the country to get other advisors that want to be on the platform to go out and, and continue to serve at a high level. So it's, it's, it's really exciting and it's, really, it's honestly why I come to places like this because you're, you're taking the time to, to kind of put your head back up as to what's going on in the world and, and how do you make yourself better and your team better and, and I can also learn from a lot of people in the room. So that's, that's all I'm trying to do going forward and, and try to try to give back as much as we can. All right. Well, thank you very much, Joe. This was fantastic. Right. Thank, you. thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode of Inman Reconnect. Visit inman.com slash reconnect for all episodes of Inman Reconnect. Please subscribe to Inman Reconnect in the Apple Podcast app on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts.